Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's going on, Giants fans? Welcome to the latest episode of our Talk is Cheap podcast from NJ Advance Media, the Star Ledger, and NJ.com. Daryl Slater here with Bob Brookover. It is uh, Halloween night, about 8.30 right now. Uh, we all wrapped up our trick-or-treating, uh, uh, me with my kid, Bob uh, with his gra- with his grandkid and, and, his, and his daughter and son-in-law, and everyone had a grand old time, obviously. I hope everyone had a great time uh, trick-or-treating uh, with their family, with their children, and... Um, yeah, happy Halloween, everybody. But uh, obviously, some Giants stuff to discuss here uh, and a lot of Giants news. I mean, a lot to digest off the top here. I mean, we can just take it one by one. We don't have to recap everything off the top, um, but let's like go ahead here and and just kind of recap and do some quick thoughts. Um, maybe not so quick, but um, on everything that's happened over the last few days here. We obviously know the Giants lost to the Jets on Sunday in shocking fashion. We can get into that, but the more recent stuff happened Monday. Daniel Jones cleared for contact. He will return in Las Vegas this week. Um, and so let's just, Bob, let's just start there. Like before we, before I go down the rabbit hole of everything else, um, Jones is back. Let's talk real quick through the process of him being cleared. Obviously what this means for the offense, what's your immediate thoughts on, you know, is this guy going to swoop in and be a savior for this offense? Or are you, are you skeptical or where do you stand on that? Uh, well, I mean, as we talked before we came on here and what you've written for tomorrow, time to prove it, Daniel, time to prove it. I mean, the, you know, he has two touchdowns, six interceptions through the first five games before he got hurt. Uh, yes, the offensive line was a disaster. Uh, we'll, we'll find out more tomorrow about that, how much of that will be back, but uh, you know, there's a chance that this is the most uh, intact the line has been since opening night. Um, you know, is it possible he's going to be a little rusty after missing three games? Um, yes, that, that's possible, but they can't really afford that. They're 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 going back in against a, a, a not very good opponent in the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, but you know, the the premise of your 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 story for tomorrow is it's proving time, and that's exactly what it is. Daniel Jones has nine games left in this season. Uh, you know, we thought we were past this point last year that, you know, Daniel Jones ha- had proven a lot last year, but now we're back to prior to last year. And, hey, let's see it. What do you got? He's up. 
For sure. Uh, there's a lot of angles to attack this at, and and we'll just look forward real quickly here, and then I'll just kind of recap everything that happened, like how he got cleared. But obviously, Darren Waller hurt his hamstring on Sunday. He's probably not playing Sunday. Uh, in hurt his hamstring last Sunday. He's probably not playing in Las Vegas next Sunday. Uh, the the thing here with 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 Jones is he's getting he's going to have Saquon Barkley back. We know that he's been back. He's playing well. Andrew Thomas probably coming back. Uh, potentially, right? Evan Neal, maybe, but I mean, Tyree Phillips kind of interchangeable. Bringing Thomas back lets you put Pew at left guard. Schmitz is already back at center. Um, but I don't think they put, I don't think they put Pew at left guard, do you? you think, what do you, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, so that gives you a three, okay, so whether you say Pew, Bredesen, Glowinski are three okay guard options, you can pick. Right, right. I, and I, I think Bredesen, I think Pew probably goes back to being a, a reserve, is my guess, but I, I could be wrong. It, uh-huh. it definitely lets you play your left tackle at left tackle, if nothing else. And so yes. uh, there's been one the, game this year one where Barkley, Thomas, and Jones have been on the field together because there's only been one game that Thomas has played week one. Right. Uh, but we, let, let's remember here that that uh, Barkley didn't return until the week after Jones was out for the first Right. Week. There's only been two games those two have played together. Yeah, exactly. So they haven't had a lot of overlap there. So uh, even with Waller out, I think that, you know, there's potential certainly against a Raiders team that's not playing well, who doesn't have a great defense or just got lit up by the Lions for for Jones to show some progress. I mean, goodness gracious, this offense has scored. I, I put it out there today uh, on, on our subtext, our, our text subscription service. 30 uh since other than the 31 point second half in in Arizona they've scored 57 points in their other 15 halves on offense with four touchdowns four i mean that's like it's that's remarkable like yeah, come on like so they have to do obviously better than that um so that is the bar for Daniel Jones and hovering over all of this is the fact that he has not only a two year contract essentially but that the giants are currently 2 and 6 and fourth in the draft order and they just traded for they traded away Leonard Williams and got a second round pick, an extra second rounder that they could maybe use as ammo to move up in the draft next year to get a quarterback, right? So if they're like sitting at number, let's just call it for argument's sake, number six or something like that, or five, they could use that to move up a couple spots to get like Drake May. I'm just, you know, just putting it out there. I mean, it's right. possible. Uh sure. so that, that's all hovering over all this. He got he, he well, I mean, I, and of course Daniel Jones is is probably tied in. Which isn't the worst situation in the world to, you know, okay, we keep Daniel Jones for you know, because he's making, you know, we're paying him so much money next year, but it gives you a chance to ease in a young guy, um, you know, rather than just throw him right into the fire. Uh, and, yeah. you know, I, I think the, the good thing from the Giants standpoint, we're, 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 I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole, but is that Daniel Jones would be uh, not necessarily happy about that. But I think he's got the type of personality that would be professional about the whole thing. And that's really what you want in a situation like that. But I mean, if they draft a quarterback that high, they're basically giving up on him and just like playing out the string. I, I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm just like, right, putting right, right, right. The bottom line is, even if they don't, even if Joe Shane isn't thinking right now, I'm going to draft a quarterback high with the ammo that I have from the Leonard Williams trade, the extra second round pick kind of mimicking what the Jets did for Sam Darnold in 2018 after they traded away Sheldon Richardson and got an extra second round pick. Even if he's not thinking that um, it's, 
It's a two-year contract. It's a two-year contract, and we're now halfway through year one. So what is that? A quarter of the way through the actual contract, essentially. And we don't have any answers about Daniel Jones for various reasons. Uh, you know, chief among them, uh, the offensive line play, which, again, I as we mentioned right a couple minutes ago, that no more excuses here. You're playing a bad team that just got spanked uh, on Monday night on the road. Like, go in the game. You have your complement of players play well on offense and go in the game. Like you're not, don't score nine points. Three well, points. well the, interest, the interesting thing about the way uh, the Raiders got crushed uh, Monday last night was the, they were just blitz crazy. The line just went after Jimmy Garoppolo and, you know, Wink Martindale is watching that, but yep. you know, that part, we know that the giants can do. But we we need to see them score points on this team too, and and the and the Raiders aren't great. And it, the, the, I think the Raiders gave up how many yards was it last night? Let's see. I think it was in the, it was like four eighty six or something. Yeah, and in the four hundreds for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, that's yes. This this game, and we'll get to the game itself later. But to, this is, it's a must win, even though. Even though a win doesn't really do that much for the Giants in the big picture, uh, in in the the little picture of trying to get the season back in some kind of course, and and at least letting you go to Dallas, uh, saying, "Hey, we're we've got some momentum going into Dallas," and then there's a whole nother um, level of, you know, can they can they be competitive with the Cowboys after being beaten by him? 40 to nothing on opening night to, to really set the tone for the disastrous first eight games. Yeah. They're probably not beating the Cowboys. And they, yeah, the Raiders did give up 486 last night against the Lions in Detroit. And um, yeah, I mean, look, the last, the next four games present three winnable games. They're not beating the Cowboys in Dallas. They, they could beat the, they could beat the, the Raiders in Vegas. They could beat the commanders in Washington. The commanders just traded away Montez Sweat and, and Chase Young. Uh, the Giants obviously not trading away anyone except Leonard Williams. Um, and then they could beat the Patriots at home before the bye week. It's very conceivable for this team to be five and seven before the bye week. Um, but they need more from their offense. And so, uh, yeah, like a lot, this is all hanging over Daniel Jones now. I mean, he has to, in this offensive line and they need to start producing, um, how long are you going to wait? Command, to- command. I was just, I'm just looking here at the commander's game yeah. came a lot more winnable today after they traded Montez Sweat and, and percent. Yeah. So. They're hitting the research. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, there's, you know, and you have to chip away at these things and 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 see what happens. So, but, you know, it, it it's it, and it, it's mostly about Daniel Jones, um, you know, him proving things. But you you know, you're finally got a team back to some reasonable amount of health, and you thought you had a pretty good team coming into this season. So let's see. Uh, if you do have that pretty good team now that it's now that it's got some now that it's not uh, you know fighting in so so many injuries, yeah, and and, and it, it's about salvaging respectability at this point. Um, the Giants are not making the playoffs. I mean, they're two and six. They probably have they would have to finish seven and two at worst at worst to go nine and eight to even be in the conversation. Nine and eight may not even be enough. They're not going seven and two. They have to play the Eagles twice. They have to play the Cowboys once. Like I think any reasonable person would say they lose all three of those games based on what we've seen so far. So, um, but it, it, it's about you know young players showing progress, which we'll get into. It's a, and it's chiefly about Jones, and can he can he show this 
GM who didn't draft him enough um, where Joe Shane thinks like, okay, I'm on, I want to maybe roll this guy past even this year or even next year. And so um, rewinding real quickly to the Jones clearance thing. I know that became an issue yesterday before an avalanche of news came out, but basically lending some, some clarity here to the situation, the giants obviously listed, it's a lot of moving pieces here. So we'll try to make it as simple as possible. The giants listed Jones as questionable going into the commander's game and they gave him a uh, exam about an hour and a half after they gave him that injury designation. And then that exam in that exam, he was not cleared for contact. So basically at that point, the questionable thing was moved. He's not playing going into the, the week against the jets. They gave him an exam at some point before their first practice on Wednesday. And they decided, you know, he's not cleared for contact yet. And at that point, they essentially just said, we're rolling forward with Tyra Taylor here. Um, and they did not give him an exam on that Friday. And the thinking there was that a Friday exam at that point would have been a moot point. And if he was cleared for contact in a technicality on the Friday before the jet game, having not fully participated in a practice for a three weeks, that a clearance for full contact at that point, it's not a light switch. It would not have been a binary either or thing. Uh he could have been cleared, but they would said, look, we're not going to throw this guy out there even as an emergency backup against this, against the Jets or against any team and put him at risk. Uh, that's why he was examined on Sunday morning. And and look, I, I get that people look at this like it's like, oh, just put him out there. He was cleared. But like, I think there is certainly some some sense behind their approach with this. So as it turned out, he was cleared before the game on Sunday. He'd already been ruled out. But. Let's be let's like look at it with some logic here. You're not putting a guy out there if they're not fully participating in practice for three weeks. Now he gets a full week of practice. He's going to play against the Raiders. So that's where that kind of stands. As far as Tyrod Taylor, he he thankfully uh, released from the hospital. He's doing all right. Um, obviously, I don't who knows how long it's going to be till he plays again. The Giants. Sign Matt Barkley, the practice squad. You know it's not going to be this week. <laughs> no, he's, he's no. And then maybe not for a while, unfortunately for him. Um and he filled in admirably, of course. And again, they wouldn't it's they wouldn't have needed him this week anyway, as it turns out. But in terms of who the backup's going to be, because as we've seen, this offensive line has necessitated the you know the use of a backup. Not that the line caused a Taylor injury, but uh Matt Barkley here on the practice squad with the Giants. Tommy DeVito is signed to the active roster because they were out of practice squad elevations. Bottom line is they're picking between Barkley and DeVito for the um spot this week. So th- for what it's worth there, I guess. Yep. And it may be worth something. <laughs> yeah. And I, you know, I, I think Tommy DeVito is going to be the guy who's up, up and he knows the offense. Yeah. 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 For sure. I think, you know, and I, you know, part of me looking at Matt Barkley's career resume, I actually covered him when he was with, after the Eagles drafted him, although rarely, I don't, I don't know if he ever played actually. Um, I, I certainly saw him playing preseason, but you know, I'd rather just see Tommy DeVito and let them th- let Tommy DeVito throw the ball a little bit more and see. You know, just see. I mean, you're going to be if, if Daniel Jones, Jones, go, Jones goes down. We already know that the team's in trouble, and the, you know, the team's already in trouble because he was down for three games. You're toast anyway. I think that's that's a fair yeah. point. And yeah. um, you know, maybe it's a moot point, and and Jones plays and plays the whole game, and either plays well or doesn't play well. But hopefully. You know, you don't want anyone to get hurt. And so um, that's where they stand with the backup quarterback situation. Um, 
the only other piece of news, unless I'm missing something here, they, the trade deadline came and went today, which is why we waited till this evening to do this. Also, trick-or-treating, um, is Leonard Williams traded away yet uh, yesterday, Monday. The Giants did not move. They did not move a Dory Jackson, which would they they weren't going to do it because the deadline yesterday, Monday passed for them to adjust. That was the deadline to adjust the salary of a guy to trade him. It could only be a clean, straightforward trade today, if that makes sense. Right. So the reason they moved Leonard Williams yesterday is because they ate nine million bucks in order to get a second round pick. And, you know, we can talk about yeah, that's a lot of money for a second round pick, but that's what they did. Paris Campbell stays, Adoree Jackson stays. We knew Saquon Barkley was going to stay. He stays. Um, Xavier McKinney stays. Maybe they re-sign him. Um, so the Leonard Williams trade, how do you see it? I mean, like $9 million bucks for the second round pick, and then the fifth rounder in 2025 is kind of a throw-in, but a lot of pressure on that second round pick now. Yeah, I mean, the second round picks are very valued in this league. Um, I, I've always kind of laughed at, uh, how much NFL general managers uh, and just, you know, front office people value players that value picks before they know what the player yeah. is. And, and then you factor in how many of these players never pan out, but they, you know, they still value them because that is the way you want to build your team. Cause when you hit uh, on, on those guys, it, it, it allows you to be successful in so many different ways. Um, you, you know, the team I look at right now is the 49ers because they've got Brock Purdy as their quarterback. They've got so much more money than everybody else, so much less money tapped up, tied up in their salary cap because they've got this young quarterback, and that's true for all these teams, but that's true at other positions too. So if you can get a good player, if you can get two good players with those second-round picks, uh, two starters – uh, you you know it 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 gives you a, a lot of wiggle room, cap wise, uh, for for a long time. For, you know, to till for, through four years with with second round picks and with a, a first round pick five years. So, I, I mean, yeah, I understand why, and, and it, it made perfect sense because I I think it was I had a conversation with Joe Banner about this last last year. Um, his his thing is. If you if you're a building rebuilding team, which we, we didn't necessarily think the Giants were going to be this year, but they are, uh, and you don't think a guy is going to be there in two three years when you're good, uh, that's the time you say you move them. Uh, Leonard Williams is not was not going to be around in three years. Uh, probably not going to be around next year, no matter oh, yeah. as much as he wanted to stay here and loves love playing in New York. You know, it was time to move on from him. Yeah, and you keep taking swings. I mean, that's the thing with with the draft; it's an inexact science, and you just you keep taking swings. And I think that that's why people even look at quarterback. You just like what the Eagles did; they drafted Jalen Hurts when Carson Wentz was still in his expensive contract. Which is why, like, it's not unreasonable to think the Giants could draft a quarterback or trade up for one next year. You 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 it's it, it's it's worth being bold at that position because the the downside to missing is not that bad. I mean. So you look at the you look at the contract that Bryce Young got. Okay, he is the first pick this year, obviously, to the Panthers. It's a four year contract. It's worth it's worth thirty seven nine, so thirty eight million bucks. That's not that much money for a quarterback. And he no, especially if, if he can play, 
that's that's one of the things that puts you in a good situation because you're not paying that quarterback so much money. His cap number this year is six point nine million dollars. Right. That's why the Giants could draft a quarterback next year. Like that, right. they could keep Jones at his huge cap number and draft a quarterback. And 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 that all point. I mean, you even think about a second round pick, right? Um, like if they draft a quarterback, even there, right? Do you if they just straight up use that other pick to draft a quarterback or any other player? The, the number is so much lower. So um, it, it it makes sense. Obviously, you under, you know, they had to, Joe Shane had to pay out that money. Leonard Williams, the penning free agent, is going to be 30 years old next year. Um, and so, and his salary was 18 million bucks. The, the back half of it was 10 million for the rest of this year. There's no way Seattle was going to eat the whole thing. As it turns out, the Giants ate all of it, literally every single dollar they could eat because Seattle's paying them the minimum. So, um, I think for Shane, it was less about getting cap space. I think people get obsessed with the cap space thing right now. They don't care about that. Who are they no. signing right now? It's about getting a pick. Yes. This is and a GM. You care about right? that if you're a good team and you need to add some yes. pieces at this time of year. But that's not where the Giants are. This is a GM who, who has to start delivering next year. He needs this pick now. He couldn't wait for Leonard Williams to depart in free agency next year and maybe get a compensatory pick in 2025. And that would even depend on how many big swings the Giants land in free agency next year, which balances out the departures, right? Right. And and, and typically, you know, even when it turns out in your favor, uh, it's no higher than a third round pick. So, um, it, you know, it it can only be up the third round pick is a max or a comp pick. And so right. I, look, I, I get it. I totally get it. I think it makes a lot of sense. Now, what does he do with the pick? Because we've seen this before where GMs have acquired, let's go back to Dave Gettleman trading back from number 11, passing on, by the way, Micah Parsons, future hall of famer uh, and moving back. And he got Kadarius Tony with a pick. Okay. Bust. And then but that pick results in Shane getting number seven in 2022. Okay, so Shane's got five and seven. So will Shane trade back out of seven and maybe get some ammo for a quarterback move up in 2023 to have leverage against Daniel Jones? No, he picks Evan Neal at number seven. Look, we all know what Evan Neal's been so far. So that's so now Shane finally has his extra ammo um, that he that he didn't get by by trading back out of number seven, uh, and so. Will he use it to move up next year? That that becomes, I think, a big question. Um, or will Jones play well? I think in the ideal world, Daniel Jones plays well down the stretch, and Joe Shane uses that pick to to pick a, a, a player who can help this offensive line or this this receiving group. So um, they wind up not moving anybody else, but Leonard Williams was their biggest trade chip, even though they had to eat a bunch of the salary. I, I agree 100%, you know, and – We'll see where they go from here. It'll be interesting to see because the defense has been playing uh, pretty good football. They've given up 33 points, what, in the last three games, uh, 14 in Buffalo, seven against the Commanders, and then 13 um, against the Jets and could have easily just have easily been seven. Uh, if they, not played, the, they played really well except the one last drive against the Jets. If not for the meltdown in the last 24 seconds. Um you know, so we'd be we'd be talking about under thirty points for a three game stretch. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see if they can maintain that uh, with Leonard Williams gone. I mean, it's not like Leonard's a washed up player, which is why Seattle wanted him. Uh, it'll, and it'll be interesting to see how he does in Seattle and what he does for Seattle uh, going forward. It's something that obviously to watch beyond the Giants for the rest of this year. It looks like the, the Seahawks are going to go back to the playoffs or 
They're surprisingly leading the NFC West right now at five and two, ahead of the 49ers who are suddenly struggling a little bit. Uh, but you know, it's um, it, I, I'll, I'll be interested also to see how they fill uh, for Leonard Williams. Do they put in the two veteran guys they signed as free agents, Sean Robinson and uh, Raheem Nunez Rochez, or do they start giving DJ Davidson, who in his in his small sample size has actually played pretty well, um, and see see you know see what they got from him? He's you know he's had some injury problems towards ACL last year, missed a game with a little knee problems earlier this year. Uh, and you, you really haven't even looked at Jordan Riley yet. Do you, do you start taking some bigger looks at those? Neither one of them are, they're both lower round draft picks, but you know, there have certainly been lower round draft picks in this league who have gone on to be really good players. Um, personally, I'd rather see him start looking at those two young guys uh, and, and especially Davidson, I think, cause he's, cause he has flashed a little bit of small sample size. Um, but it'll be interesting to see how they, they do fill the hole that Leonard Williams left. And it'll also be interesting to see if it impacts uh, Dexter Lawrence, who we should mention had 15 pressures against the Jets. <laughs> um, he's unbelievable. He's the, so, he's so good. He's right? so good. And, uh, you know, I don't know if you, the team's already doubled and triple team him. So I don't know if you can give any more attention to him, but Certainly Leonard Williams required some attention too when he was along that defensive front. And so it, it will be interesting. And we, you know, we, we both know that Leonard and, and Dexter were very close. Um, so I'm sure, I'm sure that was a rough day for Dex to see his good buddy go. For, for sure. Um, I mean, a great player who has you, that's a great point about the attention being drawn away from. We know Leonard is what he is as a pass rusher, which is a pretty darn effective one, not an elite one. Um, but certainly a guy who's more proven than DJ, DJ Davidson or Jordan Riley. Um, the last scene of Leonard Williams that I'll remember is him leaving. So Dexter Lawrence had just talked talk to us in the locker room. Uh, Leonard didn't didn't talk to us on Sunday. I guess we could have approached him, but, you know, he was leaving. And, uh, you know, Lawrence laid out how pissed he was and how frustrated he was, how much he hates losing and wants to turn this around. And, uh, he finished up, he finished dressing and then he, he waits by the door, uh, and he turns around and he waits for his friend, you know, his good buddy, Leonard Williams and to like walk out together. I mean, these guys are super close. Um, the, you know, they're, they're, they're significant. Others are very close. You talk about the, you know, the bond that they have. I think this is really hard, going to be hard for Dexter Lawrence off the field. And as you mentioned on the field as well, um, he's having a great year. I think he's, he's an outstanding player and he's going to, he's great enough to overcome this, but, Jordan Riley's only played in two games, 17 defensive snaps in week one, seven in week six in Buffalo, DJ Davidson, um, I torn ACL. So he had a truncated year last year, but this year he's only done. I'm looking at his defensive snap count, 17, 19, 19, 13, six, seven. He's barely playing. Um, the, the, I would think that those guys would, or should at least get more, uh snaps you know Ashawn robinson and like okay come on like you know he's not part of your future Raquel nunez rochez perhaps more so but um based on the contract he got but uh we we did a story you and i and, and nanny basquez last week about like the jets and giants and okay like i get people that want to talk about how they compared the jets fine but some of the analysts we talked to said who are the foundational players for this giant team right dexter lawrence andrew thomas 
who else? Who else? Right? Like, so like, to me, like, you know, what you have in Dexter Lawrence, but you need to figure out, and, and this kind of dovetails into what you were talking about before we got on the air here. Uh, where do you see the founded potential foundational players? I, I would think more so on this defense, right? I, I definitely think it's more so on the defense. I think, uh, you know, the, the, their biggest defensive signing in the offseason was Bobby O'Karake, and I think he's proven to be a, a very significant upgrade over what they had before at the inside linebacker position. I think, uh, you know, he, I think he's made Micah McFadden better uh, at, at the other inside linebacker spot too. Um, and, you know, they're both young enough that they can continue to, to be ascending players going forward here. So that, you know, he, to me, he's become a fi- foundational player, um, you know, maybe the certainly the most interesting player and interesting season of any player on that defense having so far is Kayvon Thibodeau, who, you know, was in the middle of this thing with Carl Banks last week, defending him on the radio. Um, you know, he goes out and has three sacks. He's now tied for what third in the league with eight and a half sacks. He's on pace to have 18 sacks in his second NFL season at 22 years old. Um, you know, even before that, he was on pace to have 14 sacks. Uh, and I looked this up yesterday. Michael Strahan, a Hall of Famer, a Hall of Fame giant, didn't have 14 sacks, didn't have double digit sacks till his fifth year in the NFL, and he only had 18 sacks, uh, or more twice in his career. So, you know, everybody's down on Kayvon Thibodeau, and he's had he's had issues. You know, if you look at pro football focuses. Uh, grades on him he's had issues against the run but he is you know I don't know how anybody can look at somebody who's on pace to have 18 sacks and say uh, he's having a horrible year (laughs) I mean that check game was by far his best game by any metric I mean PFF had him with a 91 overall grade he was actually 90 against the run and 86 in pass rush. But like, if just look at his straight up numbers and pressures the last three weeks, six against Buffalo. Pre- these are pressures, six against Buffalo, five against Washington, three against the Jets. And all of those were sacks. Two of the five against Washington were sacks, five sacks the last two weeks, eight pressures, throw in the Buffalo game. He's got 14 pressures the last three weeks. The grades pass, pass rush wise, I mean, 86 last week, great. 65 and 60 the previous two weeks, not bad, but like, I mean, the raw numbers are, are outstanding. So he is trending. He's, he's, right. you, he, you know, he, I, I wrote about tomorrow for how the defense, you know, is the reason to, to be optim the biggest reason to be, have some optimism about this team and hope for the future with this team. And a lot of their success has coincided with Kayvon's level of just ri- rising in recent weeks. I think it's also a matter of opportunity. So like, let's look at like, if you look at PFF, they do, let me say what you will about their grades. They do a really good job of tracking when a guy's playing run defense or pass rush. I mean, that's totally objective stuff. So Kayvon Thibodeau played 62 snaps against the Jets. I'm looking at this right now. He played 18 snaps in run defense and 40 in pass rush, four in coverage. So that's a pretty significant heavy pass rush ratio right so he's getting more swings and pass rush taking advantage of him previous week washington threw the ball a bunch he played 68 snaps 19 in run defense 39 in pass rush 10 in coverage okay so like you almost set aside the coverage but you're looking at a ratio that is starting to trend more to him getting a last couple weeks more swings but like why is that well it's because the games are closer as part of it right teams are having to like throw the ball more and this is something thibodeau 
did a pretty good job of explaining when I talked to him earlier this year. He, and he, and, and he, and he didn't really say it in like a way that could be, um, like it made an excuse, making excuses or like over the top, like kind of right. Neil did and saying fans don't know what the hell they're talking about. Right. Like he kind of tried to lay it out there in a more thoughtful way about like, people need to understand that it's about opportunities and he, and, and yes. So, so like, let's, let's see here. Okay. So let's see if they play a close game in Vegas and Jimmy Garoppolo has to throw the ball and this blitz vulnerable Raider offense. Um, you know, the, the, the other thing to say about, the, the other thing to say about Kayvon is, you know, they don't really have another edge rusher. He's it because diseases Ojolari just for, for the second straight year is almost never on the field. Yep. Um, so you know, if there if a team is game planning um, for two edge rushers that can hurt them, you know, it's a lot different than just saying, "Hey, there, there's the guy. He's the he, number five is the one that can do damage to us. We're just paying extra attention to him. Don't worry about the guys on that other side. They're not going to hurt us." <laughs> You they know, need to it, get. I mean, I I think it's something. Aziz Ojolari, the ship has sailed here because of the injuries, unfortunately for him. I mean, at some point you just gotta like move on. You know, just gotta to probably perhaps draft. You don't necessarily have to move on, but you draft you over. Have to, you have to at least restock there and 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 reload with with different ammunition. So. For sure. I mean, you look at pressures, raw pressure numbers, and PFF has Dexter Lawrence 44, Kayvon Thibodeau 24, Leonard Williams 22. So now it's going to be on uh, Kayvon Thibodeau to kind of carry that load. Micah McFadden at 10, Bobby O'Karake at 8. So there's no one that they just got rid of. They had three legit pass rushers, and they just they just shipped away one of them. Um, so we'll see. I mean, will, will this result in more attention for Dexter Lawrence, Kayvon Thibodeau? We know Aziz Ojolari is invisible um and so for a blitz happy uh, no a, a blitz happy uh defense typically but they're not blitzing as much this year um i think i looked at that a couple weeks ago and and they are uh if you look at their uh, on pro football reference their advanced blitz numbers for this year they're actually they are 43 percent. so that's second in the league they were down a bit lower um last week so they blitz more lately um so they are right up there as usual so look um you know how will that how will the departure of leonard williams affect that we're not talking necessarily about a team chasing a playoff uh birth here obviously that's not happening but you need to get evaluations on these younger players um cave thibodeau obviously you're not evaluating dexter lawrence but um yeah i think and then then in the secondary you know that all ties in like how do you evaluate a young secondary, particularly Xavier McKinney, uh, who's in a contract year, when you have to throw in the caveat of you're missing one of your best pass rushers in Leonard Williams. Right. You know, and, uh, you know, they weren't able to trade a Dory. Um, so by not being able to trade a Dory, they're not going to be able to go to probably, you know, go to their young. Um, I don't think they're going to bench a Dory the way they did Paris Campbell. I think they have more allegiance to him uh, than they did to, to Paris Campbell. Um, and, but that it's going to pre- prevent them from going to with the, with the cornerback trio of um, Trey Hawkins, Deontay Banks and Cordell Flott, who Cordell Flott, who by the way, went healthy has been playing very well. Uh, so, um, you know, I think, um, 
they it's obvious that that Joe Shane and Brian Dable want to go as young as possible in a lot of different places. They've done it a wide receiver already. Um, but I just, I don't see it happening right now at cornerback. Maybe, maybe at some point it does, um, you know, Dory Jackson has this neck issue too. So who knows if that will at some point impact him and not allow him to continue to play. Uh, he hasn't had a great season. Uh he, he virtually became impossible to trade because of his contract and the fact that he's he's not having his best season. And the injury, for sure. And look, Banks did not play great last week. I mean, he gave up 100 yards a week before against Washington. He gave up 96. I know he had the big tackle against Washington, and they won the game. Big, You know, that was big. He did not play well last week. Uh, 13 targets, 7 catches, 100 yards, 47 coverage grade in PFF. Uh, so Banks really wanted another piece of – Garrett Wilson, who got the better of them, you know, not that many moons ago, 2019, when they were freshmen in the Big Ten, uh, and it did not work out in in Deontay Banks' favor there. And then just kind of looking up the, uh, as we're talking here, looking up the coverage, um, I'll have to look that up. as we're, but, but, but look, Banks is obviously going to be around. We know that, you know, it's not like he's going anywhere. So let's see, coverage versus, versus matchups in that last game. Uh, Deontay Banks covered Garrett Wilson. Wilson targeted 12 times with Banks on him, caught seven balls for 100 yards. So a win to Garrett Wilson there, just like he had in the uh, Maryland-Ohio State game in 2019. So Garrett Wilson, great player. Deontay Banks trying to you know find his way as a great player in the NFL. It'll be interesting to see what happens the next time they meet up, like, what, four years from now, I guess, if both these guys are still on these teams. Um but a lot, you know, Deontay Banks still a lot to prove the rest of this year. I mean, they need him to be their number one corner next year. It's not going to be a Dory Jackson. We know that for sure. Uh, they're going to surely let him walk. And uh, yeah, I think that that's going to be one of the many fascinating evaluations to watch for the rest of this season. Uh, as you as you look at this young, uh, the young players that you're looking at on a two and six team, then that's what it's become about, you know, like figuring out. Who is going to be part of your future, whether it's the top line? I mean, obviously Banks will be, but we talked about some of the lower level, mid-level guys like right, Mike McFadden, who's played well. Um, are these guys going to be part of your future? Xavier McKinney, a high-profile guy who's in a contract here. Is he going to be part of your future? So that I think that's what it boils down to for 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 the rest of this year. Because uh, and I think too, like we haven't even touched on this, and let's go right into it now. Brian Dable, uh, we touched on it at the top. The way they lost that game, Steve Politi, our columnist, wrote that Brian Dables lost his mojo. Uh, and didn't go for it on fourth and one in the first half. Inexcusable to me to go for the 47-yard field goal instead of going for it. Then at the end of the game, a bit like more debatable to kick the 35-yard field goal with a struggling kicker with a bad knee in the rain. Okay. Um, you know, by the way, the Graham Gano contract, total bust so far. I think the knee perhaps part of that. But um what do we think of, of where Dable stands here? I mean, this is a guy who closed last year, opened last year, seven and two. He closed. If you don't count the last game of the year, he went two, four and one down the stretch. And now they're two, six, two and six. So four, 10 and one in their last regular, whatever regular season, last uh, 15 regular season games where they played starters. Not great. <laughs> yeah, no. And, you know, he, he also opened last year by, getting a touchdown and decided to go for a two-point conversion for a win. 
um, which told you is aggressive. And that, you know, and maybe it's because he didn't have a starting quarterback, maybe because he's lost complete trust in his offensive line. Um, uh, understandable things both. But you know what? When you're two and five, um, go for it. Just go for it and let the chips fall where they may. I mean, he has had a lot of experiences too where, you know, he went for it a fourth and one. They tried to touch push-push in the Seattle game on the first drive of the game. Um, and, um, you know, not only doesn't get the first down, but also John Michael Schmitz, his rookie center, goes down for three games. Uh, Daniel Bellinger was also hurt and left in that game. Uh, so, like, so much has gone wrong. There's a great – going back and watching the game a little bit, um, uh, I confess that I couldn't go back and watch as much as usual because – after watching 38 punts in in 60 minutes is not the most fun <laughs> exercise in the world. But when when Graham Gano missed that field goal, the look on Brian Dable's face was, you know, how you know how how can he miss that? How can he miss that? It was it was just like anything that could go wrong did go wrong, and you kind of just got the feeling, oh, he missed that, and this is just they're going to pay for this, and they but, did. And they did, and, you know, um, and they did on two 29 yard completions with a offsides penalty on Thibodeau that allowed the clock to also stop. You know, you know, there were so many things that if they didn't happen, the Giants walk away with a, a 10 to seven win that they would have been, you know, as ugly as it would have been, they would have been really pleased to have. And oh, yeah, you know, and, and we'd be having a different conversation about being, you know, being three and five and going into Vegas. Um, and and looking at the schedule that lies ahead, you'd, you'd be saying, "Hey, it's not entirely out of the question that this team gets the nine wins and and sneaks back into the playoffs." Or but at least that conversation respectability. They could have been, you know, you could be looking at six and six to the bye instead of five and seven. The best case, right? If they win the game, uh, which is, you know, like okay, like you got a lot of rallying to do, but like it just feels different and. It, you're right. It would feel different because they would have won a game where they played their third string quarterback for the last two and a half quarters and they did not trust the guy. They literally would have tried to hold on by a thread, not trusting the guy to throw a single pass, which is, look, they signed Matt Barkley to practice squad this week. They worked him out two weeks ago. Maybe they should have signed him if they didn't trust Tommy DeVito. I know hindsight is twenty twenty or whatever, the second guessing or whatever, but that's what we do, right? So, like, uh, um, I think, it, you know, that's why – you know, the, the, these GMs understand that part of the deal is being having their decisions uh, guessed, uh, uh, doubted. And so um, you don't trust a guy to throw a single pass and, and and you're just trying to hold on by a thread. And now they would have won the game for as many different things that happened. If their defense hadn't choked late, you know, a defense that had played great hadn't choked late. A kicker who, you know, has not played well this year, had just made a 35-yard field goal. Uh, that was the him. first time in his Giants career he missed two kicks in the same game. Just, I mean, every it was a perfect storm, a disaster, and so it, it so perfectly encapsulated this this season. I mean, just an incredible choke job loss. I mean, it's there's no other way to put it. I mean, they had a ninety six percent chance of winning the game by the ESPN metrics when he lined up to make the kick. I mean, regardless of whether they went for it or kicked it or whatever. Um, I mean, just it's so hard to wrap your head around what was an absolutely unfathomable loss that would have us feeling a whole lot differently here. Uh, again, they would have won the game with a third-string quarterback 
an undrafted rookie making his NFL regular season debut who barely threw the ball. And they had to play him for the last two and a half quarters, not for a drive, not for two drives, for two and a half quarters. And the guy threw one pass in the second half. One, one, and, attempted and, one. And he would have had the game-winning touchdown. <laughs> it wasn't Hurricane Ida out there, folks, like or whatever. I mean, Hurricane Sandy, it, would, it was raining a little bit, you know? And so, uh, again, that's why it opens the door to second-guessing for Joe Shane. Like, why didn't you have Matt Barkley in here if you knew Tyrod Taylor was playing behind an offensive line that was a sieve? Uh, and, look, and again, the offensive line wasn't why he got hurt, but – the offensive line was why your starter got hurt, and you're throwing an even crazier patchwork offensive line out there with Justin Peters, for goodness sake, left I'd, I'd argue that Tyra, the offensive line wasn't uh, blameless in that, you know, play Tyra got hurt. He was under immediate pressure, so he was, he was, he was running yeah. away from pressure, so. Maybe not exactly. Okay, so maybe he didn't, you know, he didn't take a hit hit, right? He went down at the end of a play. Um, right, but, he was, but it was because he was running for his life. Fair. That's fair. And, uh, you know, and, and, but we, we, again, we're, you're right. We're just talking about a totally different tone at the midpoint, even though the team, you know, you're talking about a team would be three and five. They're not necessarily in the playoff hunt, but um, that is one of those losses that just feels very, very difficult to overcome um, for a team. And we know this giant season was essentially already lost, but now it is just, um, how you wonder how a team comes back from that. And uh, there are, yes, there are three winnable games in the next four. And this was a winnable game and they won a winnable game the previous week against Washington with their backup quarterback. Um, but the, the thing about winnable games for the giants though, is that that also means they're losable. <laughs> uh, it is. I mean, this is a, obviously a flawed roster. That's how could they lose to the Raiders. Could the Raiders somehow play a good game at home? Um yeah, <laughs> these next three of these next four games and really the next four are enormous for Brian Dable. Enormous. Right. Right. I mean, the, the Raiders, the Raiders are two, two and one at home right now. So uh, they're, they're they're kind of a different team at home. They're close. They're, they play close games at home. They're they're three home games. They lost by five to the Steelers. They won by four against the Packers, and they won by four against the Patriots. So um, they're they're kind of a, and if you go look at them on the road, they they've been they 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 beat Denver on the road, got crushed by the Bills on the road, got beat by seven by the Chargers on the road, crushed by the Bears on the road, crushed by the Lions on the road. So they're. I mean, different. in the last two weeks, they got spanked by the a, a brutal Bears team in Chicago. I don't. Care. I mean, in Chicago, I mean, eighteen points they lost that game. Then they got destroyed in Detroit when, when that was. It. And that was. And don't forget, it wasn't. It was the Bears' backup quarterback too. Yeah, uh, they're. They're uh, set aside the Dallas game. I get it. You know, you don't want to if you're John Mary. You don't want to lose forty to nothing again. Of course. But the Giants with Daniel Jones back, potentially Andrew Thomas back starting Sunday, they need much better showings in three of these next four games on offense. By the way, you have an offensive-minded head coach, remember. Um, otherwise, this guy is heading straight for the hot seat in 2024 because, again, I don't think they're going to fire. I don't think they're fine. I mean, I can't imagine they would fire another coach after two years. I think he gave himself a lot of rope and wiggle room with making the playoffs last year. But you're talking about an aging ownership duo who has seen so much failure since this team last won at the Super Bowl after the 2011 season. 
And now they thought they were past that and maybe they're not. And I get that they were, they accelerated a rebuild potentially last year by what they did. And maybe it was deceiving. Okay. Maybe it was, you know, false hope or whatever, but this false, you know, like to be, I get you're losing to, you know, teams like the Niners and the Cowboys. Okay. But like, you know, you got to beat a bad Patriot team. You got to beat, you got to sweep the commanders. You got to win in Vegas. Right. You have to win these games if you if you want to be even considered like a semi competitive team. Um, and so that's where things stand, because remember, again, Joe Judge's contract comes off the books after this year. So uh, maybe I, so. So, no, I'm sorry. After next year, after 2024. So if they fire Brian Dable after 2024, they're not paying three coaches in 2025. They're paying two. If they fire him after this year, they're paying three again. They don't want to do that. They don't want to have the optics of that. <laughs> that is that is not the blueprint for a successful franchise. <laughs> well, these I, look, I I know people that two and six are like shrugging their shoulders and giving up on the Giants, but I think these and and it, yes, for sure, for making the playoffs, of course. But like to me, three of these these three three of these next four games. I mean, you're not winning in Dallas. It's not happening. If you play a competitive, it's a victory. Um, but if you can win in Vegas. You play it close in Dallas, and then you win the next two games. You're five and seven going into the bye. You feel a little bit better. And you're I coming think, out against um, the Packers, you weren't very good. The yeah, because season. after after that, yes, you, three. You know, if you look at the schedule down the stretch after the bye, the Giants, their Week 13 bye, they play Packers, Saints, Eagles, Rams, Eagles, um, and so those are you know three, I guess, winnable games right there, right out of those uh, out of those five. They're not beating the Eagles, but they could win three of those games. So if you're best casing it you're looking at uh, eight and nine, I think at this point, um, if you're best casing it for the giants, it's eight and nine. Um, yeah. I think you could probably make a case where your best case is nine and eight. And that would probably be the, I'd be shocked you know, that they'd have to, they'd have to beat the Eagles uh, the last game of the season where maybe this time the Eagles aren't playing for anything in there. Oh, yeah. And, and they are. But I'm gonna eat if if that if the Giants finish nine and eight, I'll eat the entire bucket of my kids' Halloween candy that we are gonna squirrel away in the basement and hope the kid forgets it even exists. <laughs> for, for the next, right. I'm gonna hold you to that for the next what two plus months. You know, hopefully by the end of the week, her 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 memory of a gnat will uh you know kick in and she'll forget the candy. I don't think it's happening. I think we're past that point, and she'll be asking about the candy five weeks from now, but. Uh, but anyway, we can hope we can hope. So, uh, yeah, Jimmy, do the Jimmy Kimmel thing. Tell, tell them they, they ate all, you ate all their candy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so let, uh, real quick with the pick, um, what do you think? For some, well, I, I, I do think this defense is playing very well. I'm, I'm, I'm a little, Leary of what it's going to look like without Leonard Williams, but I think they'll still be okay. Um, and I think they win this game. I'm going to say Daniel Jones coming back helps. I'm going to pick it 20, 20 to 16 Giants. I'll go 21 14 Giants. Uh, yeah, I picked the Giants to win the last game. Obviously, the, the whole monkey wrench got thrown in with the, with Tyra Taylor getting hurt. But I think 21-14 Giants, some stability comes back to this offense. It's not a lighted-up offense. No Darren Waller, but you do have Saquon Barkley, who's playing great right now. Um, and Andrew Thomas, I think, will make a big difference. 
Uh, and I don't want to hear this Daniel Jones rust or whatever. I mean, come on, come back, play well against a bad defense. Let's go. You're not going into Lambeau in January. This is a dome in Vegas against a bad team where like, does anyone care about the team there? Like, come on. It's not a rabid fan base. Okay. Like what, who's going to be in the crowd? It's going to be a lot of giant fans or a lot of empty seats, I would think, but um, people left over from Oakland who feel the need to make the drive and make a big vacation weekend out of it. <laughs> right. Right. Is it even a holiday weekend out there? No, it's not. It's, it's kind of this nothing weird weekend in Vegas Right after Halloween, um, you know, it's I, it's not even the three day Veterans Day weekend or whatever. Who you know, who's a strange like Vegas weekend or whatever. But um, what are tickets going to be going for for this game? Who knows? But who cares? But uh, maybe everyone's going to be going to the U two stuff at the Sphere, which uh, is is the bigger draw. The U, I would say U two at, at the state of the art uh, concert venue probably a bigger draw than than Raiders Giants. If I had to go on a limb there, as you know, because you checked those those Sphere tickets, I, I did. If you've got five hundred dollars to pay, yeah, I don't. But if you do, just it's... expense it. Yeah, they'll they'll understand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, entertainment for my weekend. Um, Ray, Ray Ratto, I don't even know who Ray Ratto is, the columnist, oh, yeah. San Francisco Chronicle, brilliant columnist. Who, at one time when we were, in, we were in Oakland, where they did have, the Raiders did have fans. Um, we the, the Eagles played the Raiders right, it was like right around our Halloween time. He said, yeah, we can't really tell it's Halloween here because these people who come to the Raiders games think it's Halloween every weekend. <laughs> the best, the best. What a great fan base there. And and I did cover one game there, um, one Jet game there in that in that old dump of a stadium. And I saw like a Major League Baseball game there many moons ago when my parents and I were on vacation on the West Coast. Uh, just an amazing dump of a stadium, a classic Whoa. Yes, all time dump. Yeah, now they're obviously in a nicer place in Vegas, and people will come if they win. But I don't think it's going to be a ruckus environment Sunday, and I do think the Giants will come out with a win. But I've been wrong about many things before, and so um, there you go. So be sure to thanks everybody for listening, and be sure to like, rate, subscribe, review, whatever. Follow us on all all your podcasting platforms, and uh, we'll be back with you next week. I will not be in Vegas. Bob will be there, and I'll uh, be covering from home, and. Um, yeah, everyone have a good week. Try to move on from the Jet game. Big news days the past couple days, really yesterday, Monday. Um, and uh, another week here as the Giants try to figure out where exactly they're going this season and beyond. So uh, take care, everyone, and we will talk to you soon.